All right, welcome everybody to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you to everyone for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd firstly like to thank our sponsors in Monster Energy, Fox Racing, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Achebis, AS3 Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and even Strokes for all their amazing support. Without them, none of this would be possible. All right, for this episode, we have a cracking interview with very special guest, highly respected journalist and well-known figure in the paddock, Lorenzo Resto. How are you, mate? How's life? I had uh, nice to hear from you. I'm fine, thank you. I'm just ready to leave for Portugal for round number five of the FIM World Championship. Uh, so really excited about, really excited because uh, uh, it's taking a, a good look, I guess. Yeah, it should be a really cool weekend ahead. Um, obviously, they're doing the track a little bit differently. But uh, before I get your thoughts on that, I just wanted to get your take on um, Max Anstey uh, grabbing a win on the weekend in the Supercross, obviously, with us being a UK-based uh, website. what was, and He's obviously a man you know well. Um, how did you see that? I mean, that was great for him. Uh, uh, every, I mean, who knows uh, Max Anstey? can just imagine how was the press conference because <laughs> if it was something great with Max, okay, he's a good guy, he's a really nice person. I know him since a while, I have to say, but what was really uh, unforgettable uh, is press conference because the way he talks, uh, how much he talks, uh, what he said, it, it's great, you know. And I was honestly so surprised uh, somewhere, somehow surprised about this victory. Uh, looking at the weather, not so much because uh, he, he got some brilliant result in past, also in motocross like, like the Nations with double win in, uh, in the mud in uh, Matali Basin. Yeah. So uh, I'm not so surprised. But honestly, I have to say, I didn't expect him to win with both Lawrence brother on track. And uh, I think that the rain probably helped in a little bit. But he deserved because he's doing such a brilliant uh, season, and now he's qualified for the Super yeah. Motocross World Championship. What I don't know if it makes something strange for his plans about uh, uh, WSX or whatever. Mm. But is one of the rider that is already qualified for the for the final series of uh, of the Super Motocross. So I'm really honestly happy for him. Uh, as I said, he deserved because uh, he's such a, a good person. Imagine that I knew him uh, first time I met him. I think uh, tough for me to say the year, maybe 2012 or 13. He was riding Honda with uh, Gariboldi. And it was like, uh, it was in a team uh, alongside with um, Sasha. Uh, it was uh, the Russian rider from Siberia. Yeah. And uh, and and so this this kid was really a kid. He didn't knew nothing about the world, and now you see him being in America, winning races, uh, gaining his life, doing it really well. And I'm, I'm honestly really happy for him. Yeah, he's, he's obviously a great bloke. He always loves a chat. Um, I've had a chat yeah. to him sort of recently. Sorry, it was such and, um... a Tonkov, of course. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I yeah. had a chat to him recently and he just loves life. He loves his supercross. He's pretty much done with outdoors. Um, yeah. You're listening to the interviews afterwards. I think he wants to try and squeeze in the SMX with the WSX, which will obviously be yeah. a, a great contender. And he's obviously going to race in Australia as well. He does our series um, at the <laughs> end of the year. So that'll be exciting. He, he won that last year in his class. So, but yeah, awesome to see Max doing well and we're all cheering for him. And it was his birthday. So, um, Great, great way, great way to cap that off and celebrate with the win. But back to MXGP, yeah. obviously Portugal this weekend. Prado won there last year, but the tracks um, altered. And just a general sort of takeaway from your season, Lorenzo, because you've been to all the rounds. You're very busy yes. now, and you've you've seen it firsthand in the flesh um, how things have all been going. So Prado's definitely the man at this point. He's he's gone three, three, two, one for the overalls. Won three qualifying races. Uh, he's really built. A great season together so far. I was just doing an article on him, and he's actually got the same amount of qualifying points as Fevra, which is a little bit surprising. They've obviously done it in two very different ways how they got there, but it's certainly stacking up really well for him. And he seems happy, confident, doing great work yeah. with Smets, and generally just on a roll. What's your take on it? 
Um, I have to say that, uh, okay, mm, let's talk a little bit about Agda because uh, this track is fabulous. You know, it's a kind of uh, uh, sandy surface, but it's not sand. Uh, we can uh, figure out for people that have never been there uh, and that want to imagine what kind of soil is. Uh, you know, the red um, ground, red dirt that you have on a tennis uh, court yep. is this kind of dirt mm. so uh, some areas can go really deep can be really soft but with underneath like really hard pack and with some square bumps that are really difficult to manage uh, in past uh, we used to go there at the beginning of the season like it was always the third round of the season at the beginning I mean I'm talking about the early uh, 2000, 2004, 5, 6 those years and it was always alongside with Spain. Like now it's back on this format and it's really uh, nice for the teams as they can travel just once, you know, going to Portugal and then back to Spain, stop there and coming back. And this is really smart, uh, saving money, yep. energies. And, and it's a fantastic trip, I have to say, because I've done it with a truck many times in my first 10 years working for Honda. Um, and it was one of my favorite trips always because uh, the, the area you, you travel across is really nice. And Agda has a special atmosphere. It's a small village, like 30,000 uh, people. Uh, and it's kind of uh, really countryside. It's in between Lisbon and Porto, uh, 30 k's from the sea. But you don't see the sea. You just uh, are in the green because it's full of an Australian tree that is the eucalyptus. Yeah. So there's this special smell, you know, and these yeah. uh, alongside with the Portuguese people that are really nice, always really welcoming, um, create it create a really special atmosphere. So going to Agda is always a big pleasure for us. The track is quite technical. Uh, as I said, the surface is uh, quite tricky and demanding for uh, the traction. You have to really uh, watch out for the traction uh, out of the corners, in the braking. And, but it's a spectacular track. I really, really love to see what has changed. I cannot wait to see it because um, this track was always the same for years and years and years. So having changed something on the track is really important. And the uh, first time that I went there was 2004. Michael Pichon won there, his first race with Honda. And it was great uh, beating Stefan Everts on that track after I've been, uh, we lost in Zolder the first round and uh, Belpuic the second. But at the third, finally, we, we reached the victory and that was something unforgettable. Like, it's unforgettable, unfortunately for him, the fact that Sebastian Tortelli was injured in Agda trying to keep the pace of uh, uh, Stefan Everts. And that was uh, 2006, if I'm not wrong, or five maybe, and was with a KTM. And uh, it was really riding like, I don't know if I uh, I saw someone riding so wild in my life, <laughs> but it was really wild, believe me, until he crashed. And then we had a couple of huge crashes there, but I had the chance to uh, be in there as a team manager with a Portuguese rider competing for the victory without winning that day, but uh, competing for the podium. I was Rui Gonzalves, uh, who was a, a really good friend of mine and a fantastic person himself, riding now for Sherco in uh, Rally Ride, uh, Dakar and stuff like that. And, uh, and Rui is honestly one of the most smartest and uh, uh, more intelligent person I have I met in my life. But being there with a team, with him riding for the podium and in Portugal was something honestly completely crazy. That was really, really nice. Uh, so I cannot wait to see how much has changed uh, the track. The paddock is always really nice. It's quite good, good atmosphere. There's always some pork roasting somewhere <laughs> with a good smell in the day. <laughs> yes, because we are still in the countryside, but uh, but it's, it's nice. Jorge loved this track. Is close to Spain. Plenty of uh, Spanish, Spanish are coming for cheering for him. 
and uh, he loved this track but i remember uh, when he arrives the he, he, he came uh, into the, the carly team in uh, mx2 he won and that was the hugest step he did probably at the beginning because the previous year he was riding pretty well but he could not finish the race for the heat because he wasn't trained for this probably and the year after he won like with double victory so that this give a lot the sense of the work they do in uh, the, the Carly structure at that time alongside with um, uh, Giuseppe Chiodi who was uh, a physical trainer but there is another home rider I have to say because uh, it's uh, Ruben Fernandez uh, who is born really close from Agda but in Spain and is amazing because uh, the track of Agda is closer from his home than the track of uh, in Tuxanadu in Madrid. So normally I saw last year and this year I think it will be even more. We have plenty of Fernandez fans there. And I'm pretty sure that he would like to really give something uh, to his fans. Yes. Yeah, it should be really interesting seeing how he goes. Obviously, um won the first round and he's just probably the Riola you saw that he, he had a bit of speed, but just the crashes killed him just. And then the last two have been quite an improvement. Obviously he probably could have had a podium in Trentino, just those little mistakes yes. that, that cost him, but he's, he's been quite good. He's obviously probably got a lot of pressure with Geyser out. Um, don't know. I haven't heard any reports on Geyser. Have you got something on him, but just um, no. Fernandez things pretty good. He knows it could be better. I heard him say he didn't really like the Swiss track. Uh, wasn't a big fan of the the paddock with jumps, yeah. as he said. But he's looking quite good, looking fast. He'll be he'll be confident heading into these two. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I was uh, honestly surprised because I think that in Sardinia he was trying too hard to keep the momentum after the victory in. Uh, uh, Patagonia and probably really pushing too much. Then it was a big down for him, for him. and mm. uh, in Switzerland probably didn't like the track. But I don't know. This track was was strange to me. I was looking at the twenty six minutes from in front uh, this week, uh, the behind the gate, uh, yeah. the fourth uh, behind the gate of the season. Mm. Uh, that says a lot about the track because it's based on Stewart and on the Swiss race. And I was surprised uh, because uh, I, I had a complete different uh, point of view when uh, I arrived there on track. For me, it was a, quite a nightmare. Uh, so tight, so thinny, so uh, slow. I don't know. Uh, but if you heard, uh, not only see what I then I, I was talking with other riders too that they were like saying, "Oh, the, the, there's a good dirt. It's really." Uh, grippy and, and it's nice and okay it's a little bit tight but it's okay different lines so I was honestly surprised because I didn't notice uh, that it was so well for photographer it was a kind of nightmare uh, being outside uh, it was uh, difficult and dangerous and uh, I don't know I didn't like it so much I like the atmosphere like the, the crowds but Agda is a bit different in this way yeah. because it's a build on a valley and the start is in the middle of the valley. Uh, you you get across the valley for the first like one hundred meters, then you turn on on the left uh, like uh, ninety degrees uphill, one hundred eighty downhill, violent downhill with hard braking, ninety degrees on left, then again one hundred eighty coming back down, uh, one hundred eighty on left again. Then there's a little uh, jump. Uh, I, I go with the old one in my in my mind. Uh, it's just, yeah. but it's complete up and down, up and down, up and down. And there is the straight that is in front of the start, uh, where the pit lane is based, is so tricky because you have big holes, big ruts, and the riders have to look at the uh, at the board sign. But that's really tricky, and uh, it's a, it's a really nice track with a big finish jump. Nice for photographers, nice for <laughs> the public, and and it's honestly really nice for the public because they can sit on a hill on on the other one, and they can see almost uh, completely what did happen on track. What happened on track? 
Yeah, that that's the kind of atmosphere and and sort of track that yeah. you know all the undulations, all the you know, the level changes, yeah. the, the the variations. Obviously, said the dirt has a bit of that mixture too. Like Trentino had that soft stuff, um, and then like a concrete yeah. by the end of the race, like dude uh, riding the scoop tire, but and then it's like concrete in sections. So it's going to be really interesting. <laughs> and um, obviously this track's obviously going to throw up a few different things. We've had four very different tracks so far, and yeah. the riders have really been tested on a lot of different surfaces and, and some places I haven't been to regularly. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a really good start to the year. Yeah, this is really, really interesting. Also, the fact that in uh, Trentino, uh, they they bring uh, dirt every year. And I was talking with a guy who builds the track uh, during the weekend, uh, and it was uh, fascinating because he said every time it rains, uh, the rain take away approximately from four to ten trucks of dirt every wow. time it rains. And the wind takes away one truck of dirt per week. The wind. So it's unbelievable. And he said they have to, like every month or two months or three months, take new dirt there. And you know what kind of dirt they use? With the cleaning machine, the big cleaning machine, the big cleaning trucks that clean the roads, is this kind of dirt that is collected on the roads that is then cleaned because it can contain some stuff that is not uh, safe. And then this kind of sand is reversed on the track. Uh, and so when I started with uh, Arco di Trento, with the first race of Internazionale d'Italia, that was more than 12 years ago, the track was just rocky, was a nightmare. There were no roots, there were no, it was, it was a, a nightmare. Now you can take your start with a scoop tire because you find so much sand during the, the lap. That is unbelievable what they did. And honestly, now the track is really, really nice on this kind of uh, sense. The, the dirt is really nice. I don't like so much that this reverse uh, lap. I prefer the old style. I mean, this is the old style because before it was like that. Then they reversed for 10, 12 years. And I prefer this, mm, the, the previous one, not this one. For the start mostly also. And also for the pictures. Yeah, it's uh, I can I can see that it's uh, they still um, yeah obviously that's pretty cool hearing that I didn't know that and um it's 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 obviously they have a lot of challenges they face which which uh, most yes. people don't don't know about and you know that's why we ha it's great to hear your insight it's unbelievable, that kind of yeah. the the amount of effort yeah. and if people just you know people you know say bad things without knowing the full story so that certainly gives yeah. you, um, gives you an appreciation of what they go through and and looking at um just wanted to get your take on the. On, on your thoughts on the qualifying points, obviously Prado and Fevre, we, we've seen have benefited from them. Yago has been very good. Um, have you think it's been a, a quality addition to the series or are you for or against it? And what have you sort of been hearing around the traps <laughs> on, on people's thoughts on it? I, I wasn't so uh, positive on my comments at the beginning of the season, before the season started as I, I don't like the qualifying race so much. Uh, I, I I was laughing because uh, I was following some uh, old style journalists on Twitter during uh, since long time, but during this couple of two weeks, and uh, it, this guy was talking about the fact that he don't like so much the sprint race in MotoGP. Uh, as he said to me, everything it's an old guy. I mean, I, I'm not so old, but uh, I'm probably a little bit like that. So I put all my concentrations efforts and everything on sunday that's the race and i love one race i know motocross is based on two motos i agree i'm not coming from motocross uh uh story my story born in uh, road racing but for me sunday is sunday is precious it's there everything is there you know and uh you build up the tension you build up uh, the emotion through the weekend to arrive at Sunday, the race. Uh, so this guy was just having fun and say, okay, uh, Sunday's Grand Prix. Maybe we can call Saturday Mini Prix or something <laughs> like that. So it was just, of course, a kind of provocation. But uh, 
I'm, I don't agree so much with the qualifying race, even if uh, I see that it's quality riding, of course. Uh, I don't see riders kill themselves to finish 10 or 11th or 8 or 12th. One point, two points doesn't change nothing to 99% of the guys. Uh, what it changed, of course, is that there is uh, a bigger gap in the classment, in the standings uh, from the top rider to the medium normal rider. A, uh, a rider that is always around the top 15, so quality rider that we can consider also some factory rider. It's uh, always in between 10 and 15. Uh, will never get points from the quality race. A rider that is riding for a championship, for the title, like Jorge, like uh, Roman, like Jeffrey, will collect at the end of the season probably around 120, 150 points. What makes the gap with the others even bigger? Uh, so I don't agree so much. I don't agree so much taking so many risks. I agree on the fact that uh, the races are always nice to watch. But in my opinion, again, if I'm a big fan of motocross, I will be on track looking at super pole, pole position, lap time, whatever, just to meet my idols because on Saturday I'm more relaxed and watch some other races like minor uh, races like EMX 1 to 5, EMX 250, stuff like that, girls, whatever. I mean, not only girls uh, on the stands, uh, girls on the bikes, uh, WMX, and uh, and watching stuff like that, you know. Then on Sunday, I I will see the race, only the race, only the big boys, MX2, MXGP. Don't care about looking at 1 to 5, uh, WMX, 250. No, I want to see warm-up. Then after the warm-up, having a big stop to eat something, to go in the paddock, autograph session, whatever, and then back on track. Look at the race, back home. That's my ideal, but I'm old, as I said, and I'm not uh, managing a championship. I'm just giving my opinion. So I know and I understand when you manage a championship, you need to face plenty of different uh, uh, problems. And maybe this is one of the solutions we are trying, we will see what happens. But it's like the 23 years old rules or stuff like that. Mm. If I have to say, I don't agree so much. But at the moment, uh, we see a rider like Prado, who start pretty well, is taking a big, big advantage from this new rule. That's for sure. And it's so strange to see the, not the only one, but the second race, it didn't made the most uh, of the points because yeah. Argentina it did Sardinia uh, it did but it was in Arco di Trento it didn't and he won the race finally so yeah. that was quite a little strange to me it's still uh, strange when I see the classments and it gives I don't know a minor value if I can if I can use this word when I see good riders really good riders and I see that they have always a zero before mm. they points in the standings. I said, why yeah. this zero? He didn't <laughs> made it. He wasn't racing. Oh, he was racing. He was maybe 11th. So very good. Because maybe it's, I don't know, Alessandro Lupin or, or imagine Arminas Jazigon is making mm. now an 11th place. was could be fantastic. Zero points. So you have a big zero <laughs> in your standings. And uh, I don't agree. But I mean, it's my problem. I understand it. <laughs> No, I understand your feelings, mate. And obviously, the MXGP, they're, they're putting a lot of that effort into making the MXGP B class the, the premier, the elite class, so to get them racing on both days. Yes. Obviously, what they want to do to get that uh, get that drive and, the you know, the people through the gates and stuff. But I know what you mean. It would have a bit more maybe um, sort of impetus if it was all Sunday-based and just, yeah, heavy hitters only for that yeah, day, which, you see, is like, also, for example... which might bring in more people just on the Sunday. But, yeah, I suppose they... They want those both days, but it certainly throws up some interesting things. And like you said, with yeah. Prado, obviously he's won every every or three of the qualifying races, every first moto. So he's just getting the job done in those first two. <laughs> and then, and yeah, I spoke to Maxime Renault, and he he obviously won the Swiss Grand Prix, and he said, "But Prado yeah. still got more points than me." So I yes. I was 
sort of happy, but I was like, oh, that's like not really sort of the the no. appropriate reward for my really good riding, and and it's just basically damage limitation for those guys on the sat yeah. on the Saturday at this point, and because they know that he's going to win most of them, and it's like you've really got to push now. It's sort of flipping the game, <laughs> flipping the script, and it's pretty hard for the other guys really to to battle him, isn't it? Because if he gets the start in that shortened race, it's kind of lights out. We had a kind of joke in the press conference in Arco di Trento uh, in, in Pietra Murata uh, at the end of uh, Sunday races. As uh, I was, uh, I, I normally ask always question to the to the riders there in the press conference, and I was asking uh, about approximately this to all the riders. But uh, Maxim was just answering, laughing to to uh, Prado, saying, "Okay, I agree. We do like this. You win all the GPs, but I do." <laughs> The most of the points to an OGP. So I can, because I asked Jorge what was feeling better, winning the race or getting the most points out of it, you know? Yeah. And he said, ah, you know, I, I like to win, but I have to say that I don't feel so well because uh, I didn't make it so good in the qualifying race. So yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I don't have, I, I know Maxim is behind me on the podium and he was gaining points on uh, understanding. So that, that was a mixed feeling. But uh, it would be strange. I mean, imagine at the end of the season, Jorge will uh, uh, get finally the title in the major class just with uh, victories in the qualifying race and first moto and never in the second moto. I mean, nothing uh, to take away from his title if he will win the title is uh, of course uh, well done and deserved but yeah. it's so so strange and a rider like Prado who was fighting in France last year alongside with Kaiser with Sewer with all the top riders to cancel the qualifying race yeah they didn't cancel the qualifying <laughs> race they even put points on it and he's winning the, the title I mean he's first in the standings with the qualifying race points because if you take away those points from the qualifying race, the standings are moving a little bit. Huh? I have also to say this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely um, thrown a spanner in the works, but just wanted to get your thoughts on um, Hurling's obviously won his first moto in that last one at Trentino, yeah. which I was talking to Jason Thomas yesterday and we were saying how weird that is that four rounds in and you're talking about Hurling's winning his first moto, obviously got the overall at Riola, but um, it's been pretty ominous, those, second, those late second moto charges in in Riola and Trentino, it um, looks pretty good for his signs moving forward. Obviously, he's still wanting to get that level up, that base, that intensity, racing all the, the European rounds on the off weekends. And he's looking quite yeah. ominous, building nicely as the season progresses. He can just drop that hammer and he's faster than everyone, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. it's, um, again, uh, it is something unbelievable because uh, taking you back in the press conference uh, on Sunday in Trentino, uh, again, there were some questions, of course, for uh, uh, for him because uh, the second moto was astonishing, was incredible. And uh, both Jorge and Maxim, they talk about a tornado coming uh, through <laughs> them and passing and going away. And they said, I, we didn't understand what happened because it was so quick, so wild that it was unbelievable. And I think that uh, this is uh, the clear top class uh, that uh, Jeffrey has still. And that is still a bit different compared to all the other riders today on track. Uh, I have to say that team is not there, of course. And that maybe some other are not still at the top, like maybe Roman is not at the top. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, he still has this kind of plus value that is something different. And he can he is he, able to make the difference when he needs. Switzerland, uh, he was so smart. He was riding uh, clean, uh, avoiding mistakes uh, and trying just to finish the race on his foot, I mean, on his uh, wheels without making too many mistakes. He, he wasn't feeling great. He wasn't uh, at ease on this track. But you see the results at the end. The results are okay. It's not, not so bad. And on the other side, coming to Trentino after the first moto, you think, okay, nine is not for the podium today. Even with a victory, it's difficult to, to figure mm -hmm. out a podium. But riding this way, 
the second moto uh, from the moment he started? Because he said that after the start, it was just a little messed up and he was fighting uh, around the 10th position and there was something was clicking in his mind saying, okay, no, I cannot. Yeah. I want this title. So now I have to do something. And he was able to invent something to come out from this situation in a brilliant way. First moto was great too, eh? because he started last. But from last to nine, okay, Arco di Trento is difficult to pass. Tony Cairoli from last, he finished second and he won the GP. So in the second moto. Uh, and he was a little bit older than uh, Jeffrey today. But still, it's okay. It's a good result to finish nine. But uh, like Simon Langenfelder did the same in a mix mm. two from last to, to nine. It's okay. It's a good ride. Nothing special. But from 10 to first, it's something different. Yeah, especially from in that XJBA class. Whew. Yes. And it's in this way, like was in, it was even more wild than in uh, Riola Sardo. Because Riola, you can always have the excuse that, okay, sand. And uh, Jeffrey on the sand is so good. and uh, But no, no excuses. He mm. still has something completely different from the others. Probably he's, he also is uh, conscious uh, that he cannot use it uh, every time. Yeah. So it's like, uh, uh, you know, when uh, you, you play like a video game like Pac-Man or stuff, something <laughs> like that, you have three life and you can, when you lose one, you still have two, you can gain one maybe. So it's like kind of special shot and he keeps yeah. for the special occasion, you know. But it's we are still at the beginning of the season, four races out of 19. Maybe we will come back in Italy. Who knows? In September, maybe we come back in Italy riding. We don't know. But uh, we, it's still early. But I think that uh, the progression that is uh, showing, uh, it's impressive. Yeah, it was, it was quite astonishing, really, because that track by that, that end of that second moto was pretty yes. destroyed and very dangerous. And to find yes. that much speed and the balance and the limits. And the other guys were basically just letting him pass because they were like, there's no way I can compete yeah. with that. And I'm not willing yeah. to compete with it. So definitely yeah. amazing effort. And I was we were going to sort of move the focus to Romain Fevre. And obviously we thought, obviously he did very well on the Saturday. Um, Switzerland yeah. was very impressive, just couldn't get past on that tight track, could he? He was just stuck behind Prado and just constantly just fighting <laughs> to get past people. We had that nice lane on the chicane near the finish line, but... He, he, he was probably the fastest guy that weekend, obviously him and Maxime. But yeah. he was looking good considering that arm pump surgeries had quite a nice consistent season. Obviously the mistakes have cost him and Trentino wasn't really his fault, obviously at the start. And he's look, I've, I've been yeah. quietly impressed with him. He sort of got under the radar a little bit. He's part of that big four that's going to probably battle for the title with him, Hurlings, Renault and Prado. And I think things are looking yeah. pretty good for Roman. Had a couple of weeks break, get, get himself back to as much to full fitness as he can. What have your takes on Fevre so far? Um, as I said, the, the first po podcast we did, uh, I'm surprised that uh, when you are almost 30 years old or uh, 31, mm. I don't remember always, yeah. that you still need a second surgery on your arms to solve a yeah. problem on the arm pump in January. I'm mm. surprised about how it was managed this, but I'm not a doctor, I'm not a rider, I'm not a team manager. So uh, probably they, they they find out with this problem and and they try to fix it in the best way possible. I'm sure they did their best. Um, Roman is riding well. Roman is riding uh, quite proper. He's doing some mistakes. Uh, he's always that near uh, in Switzerland. He was really near to the victory and he was so upset uh, because he was... Uh, in front of Kimi Raikkonen uh, without uh, the, the first prize, but with the third one. And he was so, like, hungry, you know, looking and gritting his teeth. And, uh, but, but this say, says a lot about uh, the personality of this uh, kid. Uh, it's not easy to love him as a, a humankind uh, because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really a kind of... Uh, uh, character that is not easy to manage with. But nobody can say that Roman is not trying to do his best uh, to win because he's a kind of uh, racing animal uh, yeah. trying to do whatever is possible to win. 
and uh, he has a pretty good feeling with this bike. Uh, probably at the beginning, uh, I was struggling a little bit in between the operation and the uh, new bike, but he's doing pretty, pretty well with this bike. Uh, in Trentino, um, it shows that uh, this qualifying moto, when you start in front, it's so easy to win uh, because he was doing the Prado of uh, uh, the qualifying race. Easy. Starting front, super good pace. And uh, for nobody, it was possible just to to get close, you know. But, but uh, again, when 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 I heard uh, saying that uh, in Trentino it's difficult to pass, that uh, you can easy stalk uh, behind someone and it's not possible to to find your way, go and look at the race from 2017 from Tony Cairoli or even the second moto yeah. in, uh, from from uh, Jeff Ellings. Okay, you have to be. Jeffrey Ellings or Tony Cairoli, I, I agree. But this is approximately on every truck tracks. Um, but Roman, I think that uh, if he keeps this kind of pace and momentum, uh, it can be a title contender uh, till the end of the season. Uh, I never believed in my life, uh, in my career, that Roman could win one title. I have to be sincere and honest. Uh, uh, but it surprised me in 2015 uh, winning this title that nobody wants because all the top riders were yeah, injured. Yeah. We have also to say the truth. We have also to say that he was riding so well uh, mm. and he was doing whatever he could, even in uh, Majora, riding with a completely destroyed bikes and, uh, mm. and still be able to to reach the, the finish line. But after this, I never saw Roman again able to win a title until 2021, when he was honestly doing something special. And at that time, I had to say, okay, I was wrong, definitely wrong. He is a man that can uh, fight for a title and deserve more than one title. Uh, and, and it is. And I think that this season, uh, I hope uh, it will keep in this kind of uh, way, you know, with... Orge with Roman with uh, Maxime with uh, uh, Jeffrey without uh, a dominator because uh, Prado is dominating but the season is long uh, Jeffrey is doing pretty well but the season is long so uh, it's quite interesting and another one that I like to see riding is Maxime because he's even more tough than Roman is mm. a uh, almost the new generation i mean it's not almost is the new generation mm. and he want so much uh, the, uh just to give you an example when he was a kid he had a big big crush one day but a big one eh? the one that you know if you will walk again yeah and he got a big operation it was a kid just a kid uh, I, I i would say 10 years old or 12 but probably uh, i'm i'm saying uh uh, something that is not correct but uh, he was a kid and he got this huge crash and a really really delicate uh, operation and the doctor uh, after the operation when he was recovering he went to to him and the parents saying you will walk again don't worry you will walk again and step by step it will be long but you will be able to do everything again but you have to stop riding because it's too dangerous and the kid was uh, so determined, so cold uh, that uh, he said, "Okay, so if I cannot ride, uh, I will so decide. I will kill myself. If I cannot be back on the bike, I will kill myself, and because I will suffer less." And this says a lot. It was a kid only. Yeah, mm. uh, uh, this says a lot about uh, the determination of this uh, rider who talks pretty good Italian as he was in an Italian team for a long time and was always fighting against everything so it always and he knows that he has to fight against everything if he want to win the title now in MXGP he has to fight also with his team because there's one top rider that is Seward there if he wants to uh, when he, he won the title in uh, MX2 he was fighting with his team because they wanted that uh, uh, the, the the top rider win so they they wanted Iago to win the title mm. and it's always been like that and th those kids are tough and he's from deep north he suffered a little bit 
the hat, the temperatures. So when the summer will uh, go on with the high temperature, like we know we, we see now, uh, it will be a little bit more tough for him. But uh, until that moment, uh, I want to see what 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 he's able to do. Yeah, it's a, he's an amazing character, isn't he? And and just speaking yes. to him, you just get the sense of he loves he loves to suffer. He wants to sacrifice everything. And yes. you know, and growing yes. up, um, as his dad used to get up work four a.m. and his mum would do everything to help him and help the dad. And his dad would work on his bikes till late, so he knows they did everything for me. So it's the only way for me to give everything to my profession, and I want to do it, and I'm dedicated, and I'm all in. And maybe he sometimes overdoes the training, and he's I know that he's. Yes. Uh, Amending that, yes. he's working with Kenny now, and he's got a really good program. And you never cheats you for effort. He he's putting everything in to make it better, and he's never satisfied. <laughs> he always wants to make adjustments to the yeah. bike. And you just love to see a competitor like that. And obviously, Fevre, he's been in the game so long, the longevity and the, the fierce competitive nature these guys have. It's a testament to the, how much they want it and how much they love their craft. Yeah, no, it's true. It, it's a. Uh... I'm I'm sure that everyone uh, there on on the starting grid uh, want to win, uh, want to do well, uh, yeah. but there are only few that uh, yeah. really are doing everything for this and yeah. giving everything. For this. Uh, yeah. And there are only few. We know who they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've only got before we wrap it up. I'd love to have a chat to you about a couple of more guys. Um. The Italians, obviously, Guadagnini showed some really good speed, like he's been doing all season, just putting the pieces together and not and not losing it. But really exciting to see him. Um, good to see Lapino. Obviously, had a win on the weekend, and he's sort of coming along well. Him and Watson on the beater. Uh, there's yeah. some progress being made with the bike. Um, ben spoke to James afterwards, saying they had to change to the old bike for the second one. But what they're doing there is really good um, with the resources they have. And he's... The first victory for Beta eh, in uh, motocross yeah. in Italian championship. Yeah, so very... it's something I, he should be proud about after more than two years without victories for Lupino, who was uh, eight-time Italian champion in all the classes and four-time, I think, in MX1. It was a, a good comeback. Okay, Alberto had to face few problems because he had an issue with the chain at the, um, on the second yeah. or the first one, second one, I don't remember. So... Uh, not easy, I think, in the first model. And uh, and so, okay, he could not really fight for. But uh, but I'm happy because Alessandro, you know, is the veteran of the MXGP class. He's the 38 years old, father of two fantastic girls. Uh, and he's a, he's a really good guy. A really uh, Another one that is giving everything for his job and uh, trying to reach a good balance in between the family and uh, the motocross. So, yeah. I, I like him. Yeah, he's a cool guy. And obviously, um, talking to, we'll go for Guadagnini. And I just wanted to, I spoke to Adamo the other day. Um, and he obviously yeah. loved the guy. He's super, super positive, just living his dream. He's, he's just really excited. He's doing great work with Prado and Smets and, um, yeah, yeah. With, uh, with the training and between Belgium and Rome. And uh, we were just having a little discussion about the Italian, the future of Italian motocross. Obviously, Latta and Bonacorsi and Zanke, yeah. uh doing the, um, the podium, filling out the podium, MX250. And then we thought you got Ferrato, Guadagnini, Lupino, you know, Adamo himself. And it's really nice riders to choose from for the nations and things are looking really bright. Um, he was quite excited by it. And how, how are you feeling about it? It's pretty cool, isn't it? Uh, it's it's really good because we finally have a, a second generation uh, after uh, because um, Ferrato and uh, it's, it's uh, already... Uh, one generation after Lupino, that is the same generation of uh, Tony. We have to, re to remind that he's a world champion because Alessandro won a world championship uh, uh, before uh, getting into MX2. He was riding uh, the 85 class. Uh, but apart of this, uh, um, then we had a little hole. Uh, I mean, after uh, from Forato to Guadagnini, there's a huge gap of uh, age and uh, plenty of riders missing. Uh, uh, there were good riders, but even they, they could not uh, be there competing for the victory. Now seeing uh, Adamo coming uh, for the victory, going for the victory, and be regular on the podium, uh, it's something great for us. Because uh, it, it, it it's honestly something that we miss since years and years and years. We never had uh, a good rider in MX2, from Cairoli, I have to say, 
to Guadagnini. Guadagnini was the only red plate uh, after Tony Cairoli, yeah. so almost 20 years after. Uh, so this gap looks like uh, uh, we are working to uh, close this gap. And uh, the next generations are looking very, very good because we have already two EMX125 champions. Uh, one is uh, Bonacorsi, that this year is doing fantastic good in uh, uh, EMX250. And the other one is Valerio Lata. Uh, you know, I'm working with Valerio, so and I'm working also a little bit with uh, Andrea. So I, I look at them from really close. Uh, it's fantastic to see that uh, those two kids are now fighting for the victories uh, alongside. Uh, there is a huge uh, difference of age of experience because Andrea was riding in one to five uh, uh, with KTM Silver Action, then he moved into Celestini KTM, then he moved into Fantic. And with Fantic, he was able to score the title. Fantic, uh, they proposed him uh, the project of the two strokes and to go EMX 250 with the two strokes, but uh, he didn't uh, like it and he went to Yamaha. What uh, I agreed on at that time with this. Uh, uh, ambition, you know, to be on a four-stroke uh, and to build up a career in MX2 for the future. Uh, so he took this decision, and I think it was the right one for him. Uh, but the first season was quite tough, uh, with uh, but but still good. Last year, it was his season somehow, because uh, everyone was thinking he was ready to to win. But uh, something went wrong uh, at the beginning of the season when he got injured in uh, Matale Basin. While he was seven in in the practice, so this uh, changed a little bit his programs. Uh, uh, this injury uh, afflicted a little bit the results of the first races, first races of EMX two fifty, and at that time Elzinga was just you know exploding, and when you Dutch in a Dutch team and you are winning, that's no place for anybody else. That's for sure. Uh, so. Andrea was a little bit, you know, uh, in a, in some trouble. And it was really good to just keep working, keep working, keep working, head down. And uh, now you see that this work is paying very well because he's doing uh, a fantastic job. For me, it's still the, I have to say, favorite for the title in EMX 250. Physically, is ready for the MXGP. His body is unbelievable. It's perfect and huge. And the weight also doesn't help him in this uh, class for the start and for those stuff. But uh, but Andrea is, uh, uh, in Italian, we would say a squared guy. So really like, uh, uh, he doesn't think about money, glittering girls, stuff like that. He thinks about working, doing his job. And, you know, it's a little bit like Maxime. But on the other side, his character is really, I have to say, more tender, more soft. Is uh, one guy that uh, he put really a lot on himself. When something is wrong, is pointing at himself really easy, and this doesn't help him. Uh, uh, it's really fragile. On the other side, Valerio, yeah, the disaster last year was a disaster mm. for him, but he was able to turn it up and turn it out and and say was necessary yeah. for doing what I'm doing now. It was necessary to go through this kind of season. I got some experience. I was riding in MX2. I'm grateful to my ex-team, but it was necessary to now doing what I'm doing. And uh, in the Italian Championship, he was doing pretty well. He won the first moto easy, started first, finished first. Second moto, his start was a little bit less good. It was fifth fourth at the end of the first lap and then he has three guys in front of him from the world championship so was alexis fueri with a two-stroke uh fantic uh jan panker who, Panzer, who is going uh in top 10 somehow and is doing quite well sometime and uh, uh the third one uh was uh Kasvalk. i have to say another really good rider and valeria was able to study pass before Pankar and Kasvalk, and then going through for uh, Fueri in a quite amazing way, studying, going, and going away without doing any mistake, riding really, really nice. 
Now they are training in Spain, uh, in France, sorry, since uh, yesterday. So they moved directly from Majora to France, riding on uh, Gregory Aranda tr facilities uh, with alongside with his teammate Mano4. And uh, is, is, they are doing a pretty good job. They will move to Portugal tomorrow and uh, maybe stop somehow to just have a little ride. Otherwise, they go on the, in the paddock, uh, build up the tent and everything. And on the way back to Spain, they will again stop somehow in Spain to, to train before the race in Spain. But uh, Valerio is doing fantastic. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, it's showing more now his uh, level than when he won the 1 to 5. Because when he won the 1 to 5, there was just one day that he was really clear that he was uh, such a good rider. He was in, in Mantova when he won his first race in 1 to 5. But for the rest, it was quite tricky season. Then uh, Osteragen was went injured, uh, and uh, this changed completely the the season. But uh, I think that he's getting better and better and better. And uh, Ferruccio Zanchi is another one that is really good. Mm. He's helped by Jackie Vimon since the beginning of his career, and this helps him a lot because uh, he have uh, so a lot of people around him that can help him. Yeah, they're so impressive. And just on Lata, how, how smooth and stylish did he handle that track? And just obviously yes. he's been doing great things. We spoke last time we spoke how well he was building and how he was coming back from bad starts and things. And once he gets yeah. that start, you can just see how impressive he is. And he's growing really well. So you must yeah. have been pretty cool I have to say that, that behind this, of course, there is a good talent. Uh, there is a lot of work. Uh, there is a lot of determination. Uh, but there is also uh, the fact that there is one guy who is giving at the moment everything to them, and his name is Joachim Furbetta. Uh, Joachim is a former rider, is uh, uh, Italian champion, uh, MX1, uh, fast class in charge, uh, and and is uh, such a also good guy, uh, and is giving everything to Valerio to let him grow and to transfer his experience. That somehow is also the experience of Tony of uh, the, the the Carly boys. So there is a lot of work behind this uh, smooth riding that at the moment is doing so well and the starts. Yeah, it's amazing when the results come together to couple with that hard work and just a couple before yeah. we let you go. I know you've got to get up early tomorrow to head to Portugal, but um, just your picks for the weekend and huh. uh, MXGP and MX2. We haven't got Ben. Um, making some jokes at you this time, mate. So you can go free ahead. <laughs> and um, and also, if you wanted just a couple of words on, obviously, Liam Everts. Um, had a good chat to him last week, just mentioning how how unusual it is to grow up like he did uh, with his dad and yes. his father and how that's pressure. And, and hey, I didn't ask the question. I didn't need to. He said that that's, that's on me and it's, it's not something that yeah. most people have to deal with. And I said, well, you know, no one ever knows what that's like because that's so such a rare, rare thing. But he's doing well. He's happy with the bike. Uh, happy with the team. Um, really cool moment with him and Adamo and Cairoli having an embrace, both getting there. He got his yeah. first podium, Adamo first win. Um, just a great weekend. And he's coming along well since a bit of a rough start to the year, isn't he? I think it was the perfect weekend for the KTM MX2 team because uh, uh, they, they got the three riders uh, on the podium. Sasha is still injured, but uh, three out of four, they were mm. on the podium. One was winning, uh, one was second, one was third. And it was amazing to see how Liam uh, did. Uh, Liam, as I said uh, previously, I don't want to uh, say something different. Uh, uh, I have to face the biggest problem uh, that someone can face. I don't know if he wanted since the beginning to be a rider. I don't know if uh, he wanted to ride with the 72. I don't know if he wanted to ride in the number in, in the, the name of his father. Uh, but he's doing so well out of it because uh, he's managing this impressive, huge uh, amount of pressure that is on him. Uh, that uh, honestly, it's fantastic. He was... Uh, 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 on the podium where his father uh, was uh, 32 years before, earlier. So it's something fantastic. Uh, I think there's the first uh, uh, family that I know with three generations on the podium of a world championship. 
uh, and this is amazing. Maybe you have something like this in NASCAR uh, in America when his father and son and nephew, like with the Andretti's family or stuff like that. So the Evers family uh, stays to motocross like the Andretti's uh, with uh, road racing in America. Uh, Liam seems to be a little bit more happy because I always see him uh, not so happy. Then everyone has his own character. Huh? That's uh, normal. I was working with Kevin Stribos many, I mean, for one intense year, but I know him since many years. I never saw him so happy. If I have to say, or oh, Yago Gers is the same. His trainer uh, is uh, uh, Steve Ramon. I never saw Ramon laughing on a podium or laughing after a victory. And Yago is a little bit the same. So there are different characters. Yeah. Belgians are a little bit more, uh, probably, uh, Joel Smets is a little bit different compared to the Belgians because he's always laughing, he's always happy, he's always screaming high voice, you know. But, uh, but, but Liam is doing well and uh, I'm happy for this group because they get through so so many difficult moments in past. Last year was horrible with uh, what happened to René Offer. Uh, was horrible uh, with what happened uh, with uh, Jeffrey Erlings uh, during the photo shooting. So they deserve to be back and also because everyone was pointing at them saying, oh, they took the plan B with three little riders. They will never get back on the top, blah, blah, blah. No, there no are... wins. Everyone would say no wins, maybe no podiums. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty good result. We believe that uh, Andamo could win. Joel is doing a fantastic job with all those kids. Tony is doing a fantastic job with all those kids. Joel is doing fantastic with uh, with Orge also. We we can clearly see, mm. and uh, and this group is uh, is doing a fantastic job. This podium is special. Uh, the podium of Arco di Trento, as I said, Stefan Evers was there 32 years ago. Tony Cairoli won there his best uh, uh, race ever, probably in 2017. What says a lot because when you get 94 victories, just to pick the best. It's difficult, and he, he, he was there in Arco di Trento. That podium was the first podium for Jorge Prado, Arco di Trento. The first podium for, for Jorge Prado, the first victory for Jorge Prado. Prado always won on that track in the first three years, and now he's back winning. Uh, the first podium for uh, Valerio Lata in EMX 250, and... It was the first podium for Joachim Furbetta in 1-5 to five at his time when he was doing the European Championship with the De Carli Junior team alongside with uh, Facchetti. Wow. So, yes, first victory for René Offer, first victory for Andrea Damo, last victory for Tony Cairoli. So, Arco di Trento yeah. means something. <laughs> yeah, very special memories, special place. Um, especially yeah, yes. that's, that's incredible, mate. The knowledge you have. I wasn't the there. I wasn't there thirty-two years ago, but <laughs> since uh, twenty, yes. So I saw plenty of those memories, and I remember plenty of those memories. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool, mate. Love to hear all those old um stories and those <laughs> stats and the insights. It's incredible, mate. And um, <laughs> before I let you go, um, and we'll and just um. For the listeners, we probably do plan on getting um, Bonacorsi and Latter on for a podcast with yeah. you Lorenzo, um, at some point, which will be pretty cool to to. to oh hear. yes, and obviously you know them well, so they'll feel comfortable um, with the English and everything. So it'll be very yeah. cool to yeah, shine yeah, the yeah. spotlight on them. But how, how have we got for the picks this weekend, mate? Um, are we going? Are we going something like I might think? Uh, there's just so many guys in MX2. I mean MX2, yeah. But something like maybe a Jeremy Seward to come good with. Um, Prado and Fernandez in MXGP, I'll go for. And um, I think it's pretty hard to go past if Yago, Simon, and and Kai, maybe. But it wouldn't surprise me if Adamo or Beniston got up there too. So who, who have you got? It's almost impossible, isn't it? It is almost impossible. I agree with you on this. I put uh, Jeremy on the top uh, for Arco di Trento and I lost. So yeah. I will put Jeremy for his first podium of the season. But. Uh, in second place behind uh, Jorge Prado with Fernandez third. Yeah. That's my pick in MXGP. For what concern the MX2 class, uh, 
Ah, it's easy to say Iago that uh, for the victory. I mean, easy, never easy, but uh, I would say Iago, Kaida Wolf, uh, and uh, oh, I will. I want to put the the like the Joker and say Lucas Coyne in for the third place. Yeah, I like it. That's a good pick. He's coming on well. The speed's good. The starts are terrible, but um, we expect big things from this him. This kid will do a podium before the end of the season, that I'm sure. Yeah, well said, mate. And his brother's obviously coming <laughs> back this weekend too, so he'll he'll throw a nice little um little spanner in the works too. Maybe obviously he'll need some time, but he's he's a little pocket rocket, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Lorenzo. I'll just quickly give the sponsors a shout out, and we'll um we'll wrap it up. So, yep. Thank you to Monster Energy, Fox Racing, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, AS3 Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and obviously Even Strokes for all their support. As without them, there would be no us. So support them. Thanks, everyone, for listening again. And thank you, Lorenzo, and all the best at the GP. And we'll uh, be catching up soon, no doubt. Thanks a lot, Ed. It was a pleasure, like always. Uh, and uh, just uh, can't wait to listen to the podcast uh, on MX Vice. Oh, thanks again, mate. We'll touch. speak soon. Yeah.